Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Big Witch Energy. Today, we have a very, very special guest with us. We're very excited to talk to. Please, everyone, welcome Michelle Smith. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. For those of you that don't know, Michelle was the super incredible fight coordinator slash stunt double slash super badass for Motherland Fort Salem. So we're so excited we get to pick your brain today. I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes. Yay. So I guess we'll start off super simple and and ask Mm -hmm. what a fight coordinator actually is and how you got started. Yes. That's a great question. Uh, so a fight coordinator basically is somewhat of like an onset coach. So the responsibility of the fight coordinator is to make sure that all of the actors are trained and rehearsed. Uh, the fight coordinator also works with the stunt team uh, to create the fights, do the choreography, help build the action scenes. And they often work very closely with the stunt coordinator. And on a lot of shows, the fight, the stunt coordinator acts as the fight coordinator, uh, just sort of depending on budgets and the type of action. Uh, with Motherland, we had a very specific weapon that we were using. So uh, not a lot of people knew about that. I happened to have some knowledge and ability teaching it. So that's pretty much how I got the job. Plus, I was a stunt performer in town. So that worked out really well for me but yeah it, 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 the, the shortest answer i can give is like it's like the onset coach so i i help train the actors we choreograph movement make sure that everybody feels super comfortable with it feels super safe make sure our stunties know what to do and then i would be with them on set sort of coaching them through the angles and various other things that we have to do on the day to to film that action Okay, that's a really cool job. I know, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds stressful, but cool. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of responsibility. Yes. Yeah, I th- that, that's just inherent with being a stunt performer, mm-hmm. is the, the responsibility of, of keeping yourself safe and like just as importantly, keeping the actor safe. Like when you're a stunt double, part of your job is to make sure that your actor is safe and protected. Or if you're doing a fight scene with another actor opposing you to make sure that you keep that actor safe. There's a lot of responsibility in being a stunt performer. There's not a lot of room to be complacent. And often when people get complacent is when people get hurt. So it's, it's, it's a matter of health and safety and it like making sure that everybody is safe and comfortable is is a top priority of the job. Yeah, it sounds like he's spending a lot of plates at one time trying to do Yeah. 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 
take care of both sides in a way. Totally, totally. You just have to be very vigilant and like observe everything. And, and like, you don't get to being a fight coordinator until you've spent some time and experience or gaining wisdom as a stunt performer and a stunt double and, and doing various different jobs and having various different gags. And so by the time you make it to fight coordinator, stunt coordinator zone, where you're sort of leading the team, uh, you know what to look for and you sort of have your like little things that you're like, like milestones or, or points that I'm like, okay, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Everybody's good. But for me, the most important thing is like, do the actors feel safe and comfortable and confident because then they're going to get the best performance. Uh, Makes sense. So when you're, when you're teaching the actors like to perform stunts, like how do you teach them to like do it safely? Is there something you kind of like, like, how does that work? Well, on this show, this is the first time this has happened to me on this show. I worked, I, I was on the show since the pilot and so I started training the actors in the pilot and I worked with them all through season one and oh. season two. Unfortunately, season three schedules didn't work out for us. Uh, but on this show, I was working with the actors a couple times a week for the entire wow. season. And we were working on fitness training. We were doing really basic technical martial arts and film fighting, which is really, really helpful. And a lot of actors on other shows don't get that training so they're just expected to show up to a rehearsal learn these this weird movement that they've never done before and hope that it works out <laughs> whereas this show they made a priority of making sure the girls were safe and and fit and healthy and making sure that they understand the movement so that helped a lot when it came to choreography because we would be drilling things they already have the movement in their body and then suddenly we're able to to do so much more Unfortunately, with the scourges, because they, they in the pilot, we actually used rope darts. Uh, and then halfway through season one, they changed it. And that's actually a really advanced weapon for people to learn. So if you don't have any sort of martial arts background or knowledge in weapons and the way that like a flexible weapon, like a rope dart moves, it's really challenging to learn. So that was one of our biggest roadblocks that we have is like, how do we get these scourges to move the way they want them to happen with the witch magic, but also the practicality of this is the reality of physics in this world that we have right now. <laughs> um, those are, there was often two different things, but like, how do we get the actors moving them around safely without hitting themselves or hitting other people? Because those things hurt when you get hit with them and they're long and and then as soon as they changed to the like whip like scourges uh it, it was a whole different like it was a whole different weapon after that after i trained these actors to be able to work with the rope dart and suddenly they're like oh by the way here you go these are what the scourges look like now and you're like oh gosh <laughs> okay but yeah it was i a lot of it is just making sure that your actors understand for me that this doesn't happen on, with a lot of some people but for me if the actors understand the basic shapes and the movement of what they're trying to do and why they would do cer certain movements, like why am I punching and keeping this hand here? Why do I need to twist my body? What am I doing like the bob and weave for? And why am I kicking? When would I use a kick? If they understand that, then they're much more likely to be able to pick up the choreography we give them and perform it in a way that looks super professional and slick. Uh, and I would say by the time we got to like season two and even in season three, 
they were kicking some ass and I was super proud. I'm like a proud that's mom. Awesome. That's amazing. That's so huge. Yeah. Uh, that is awesome. all grown up and killing people. Oh, Yay. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my little babies out there. <laughs> well, you did a good job because they're convincing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. They are. Thank you. <laughs> so we got the opportunity to speak with Catherine, who plays Petra recently. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. mentioned that she loved how badass her stunt double made her look in the Bellwether mm-hmm. season episode. So we were wondering how stunt performers like act without us noticing it's not the actual actor. Yeah, it's it's a uh, movie magic a lot of the times. Uh, so Catherine, oh, I loved her. She was lovely. She um, is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, she has a really great energy and a really, very calming presence. Very. Uh, Yeah. It was, it was nice because when we're training and like some of the younger actors are like, wow, I want to do everything. And she's just like, we're good. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah. So when you're doubling an actor, you're often booked based on you matching the actors appearance wise and aesthetically same height, same type of build. We'll get wigs uh, most of the time, so we don't have to worry about hair color. But um, one of the things that you learn as you progress in your stunt career and being a stunt double is you become really good at picking up the movement uh, cues and uniqueness of each actor because your job is to seamlessly fit in to be that actor for these action scenes and then fade into the background. Being a stunt performer is a bit of an invisible job. Uh, so you get really good and you're sort of trained and conditioned to just really watch the actor. You often, if you if you have the um, opportunity and the privilege to sort of sit with the actor and get to know them, whether that just be in rehearsal or on set, that's really helpful because the more you sort of learn about them and their background, especially movement backgrounds, really good stunt performers are able to take that in and translate that into movement. So a lot of stunts is physical acting. And um, like I doubled Lynn Alder in season three. And it was it, one of the things I had to do was a scene where it was like, so like she was just like, like full on like beast yes. mode. And so I had to watch her rise to the level of her intensity in order to perform it correctly. So a big job of the stunt doubles is to watch the actor, make sure you know what foot they're stepping on or what hand they're they're doing things in. Because a lot of times um, when you're filming, things things all are happening all at once, and maybe they'll we we rehearsed stepping with your right foot, but they step with your left foot. So the stunt double has to know. Oh well, they step there with their left foot so I'm gonna have to match that so when they cut it we're exactly and then you get really good as a stunt performer especially when you have a wig you hide your face because you don't you want to see the actor's face but you don't want to see the stunt Mm -hmm. performer's face so it'll often happen quickly um but yeah you just get really good at, at observing and looking at those little details that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know about and there's a lot of times where, especially on this show, a lot of the actors wanted to do their own action, but there's a lot of times for just action scenes in general where they pretty much use the stunt doubles for like an entire fight, but you never know just because the way it's cut right. so quick. And then the actors will come in and do a couple inserts. Luckily for our, our ladies on this show, they, 
they did try to do as much as possible. And uh, as I was training them, I made it so that the material that they were confident and competent at was movement that they could easily do themselves. So then you don't need to rely on the double so much. And then it's like all them. And then the editors don't have so much work. But um, in the case of like the flying stuff or smashing into the ground, of course, we wouldn't ask someone like Catherine or any of the other actors to do that. We would have, um, I think Chelsea Jackson doubled her and like Chelsea's quite capable of doing that. She's a fantastic double. And yeah, like we don't need our actors to be getting hurt. So that's where the stunt double comes in. If, if, it, if we do it right, it's seamless. Sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta like, like we gotta work things out. We're like, oh no, like the actor's not gonna wanna do that. We've gotta get a double in there. And sometimes it's hard to film, but everybody on the set, all of the crew, everybody's a professional. Everybody knows what they're doing. And so it's, it's like a big collaboration to make these things work. Wow. Totally. It sounds like you're just like basically this like chameleon with a photographic memory. And totally. To like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy cool. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it's interesting because actors, because you see their face, uh, they can't go on to all these different shows and play multiple characters on the same show. Whereas a stunt performer, like I doubled like five or six characters on motherland you would never know i was there i also was me like you can see literally see me okay but we need to know who now wait (laughs) yes um what also congratulations yeah um (laughs) thank you i was i did nd stunt so nd is is when you just are yourself you're like a random soldier you get blown up um so i i was i did a lot of nd in season one so i'm in there I doubled young Alder when she is at about to get hung. Right. She gets thrown across the right. stairs. She has a big cage on her head. Mm-hmm. That that was Ooh, an interesting. No, we got to go back and watch um, that scene again. I, <laughs> I doubled Lieutenant Griggs. Of course, when she yep. did the flying. Saw that one yes. on your TikTok. We saw that. Um. Yeah. That that one was fun. Um. I doubled Captain Waddy in season mm. two for a fight with Ashley. Uh, like in, yeah. in the training hall. Yes. Um, I doubled Lynn a couple times. I doubled somebody else. Yeah. Because well, I was just there. And a lot of times a coordinator, like if he, it, like our coordinator, Ernest Jackson, he had a team of people. So he had like Taylor's double, Ashley's double, Jess's double, myself, and a couple other people that are just sort of there pretty much on call for an entire season. So as much as he can, he's just going to try and, recycle us as much as possible with stunts like if i don't have an acting role i can play as many different characters as i'm suitable for whereas an actor can only play that one person so you'd be surprised on on a number of shows how many times you've seen the same person over and over and over again that's really cool that's movie magic that's so cool yeah (laughs) so question so what has been your favorite stunt to film or just to like do in general? Do you have a favorite? In general? Yeah. Uh, I like fights. I, I, I come from a baton twirling and dance background. So I like choreography. I like, I like movement. Um, I don't know if I have one in my head. I did a fight on Van Helsing that I quite liked. Um, nice. Ooh. I, I enjoyed the nosedive descender that I did on Motherland. Um, I did like 
some of the fights that we created for motherland with the scourge it was it's just like sometimes i just wasn't the person performing them and so i was like oh that's cool i wish i could have done that <laughs> um i did um i did a gag long long time ago it must have been like over 10 years ago on a show called continuum oh i love that show back in the day yeah i back in the day yeah i doubled for a couple of episodes i doubled the lead actress rachel nichols and i had to do this it, the coordinator called me and he was like, oh, it's just a tumble down a hill. But we're in Vancouver. And he took us up into the mountains into the, like, it's called the GBRD, but it's basically like, just like ravines and, and stuff in the mountains with trees and stuff. And it wasn't just a tumble down a hill. It was a tumble down a ravine. Holy crap. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, You're like, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. And so what I had to do is I had to run and then I had to tackle the stunt guy from like far away, pull him down the hill with me, make sure that he doesn't Whoa. land on me and break my neck. And then we basically tumble. roll and tumble down the hill, but don't hit a tree. And you have to land on camera left and pick up your gun and, and like, don't lose the gun that's in your hand while you're pulling <laughs> oh this my guy gosh. down. And it was just... It was pretty gnarly and it, they had the rain towers. So it was like soaking wet. We're just oh rolling through the mud. It was pretty gnarly. Um, but it was, it was one of those ones where I actually, it was one of the ones where I learned to trust my instincts. So I, I felt nervous, but I was also excited. Kind of like when you go on a roller coaster mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh God, I don't know how this is going to go, but it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be scary. But like, that's how I felt. And I learned that that's actually a really good feeling. Cause you're nice. like in it and you want to do it. But then there's other times where you do stunts and you're just like, no, nope. I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to sort of make a judgment call. Like, am I just sort of freaking out or is there something that my intuition is telling me to like, Hey, right. look at this. Um, but that was one of those moments where I was just like, this is gnarly, but I'm having a good time. So did you and get it on the yeah, first go around or? No, we did it four times. Only four. Which was a lot. <laughs> Only four. That was actually not a lot. Wow. Uh, I've done, I've done like falling down takes where I've done like 20 or 30 of them. And that's just sort of part of the job yep. of being a stunt performer is like you could have the gnarliest gag and maybe, maybe they understand how gnarly it is and how painful it can be and how like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How much impact is in some of those landings? And you yeah. only do it once or twice. But sometimes you 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 got to do it. And so you just kind of have to have to mentally prepare yourself. You're like, I'm going to do this gag as much as they need me to do it, regardless of of how much it hurts. Like if you're injured, that's a whole other story. But like like if it's just like, oh, but like it hurts my knee. <laughs> like yeah, you're just going to keep doing it. So you like you have to have a pretty high pain threshold to be a stunt performer how did you feel the next Definitely. day that's my question <laughs> right um like i was hit by a bus yeah it was fun there was one take though um where i was rolling and you're just sort of rolling and the whole thing when you're rolling like that like down a hill or like down a flight of stairs like um is you just sort of noodle if you have any rigidity, then that's when it hurts. And so you just sort of noodle and let it happen and keep yourself safe. And generally, like, because I've had a lifetime of training, like I trust my body to know what to do. And that's a big part of, of 
stunts for me in particular. But I, I landed near a tree and so I hit a tree. And so if you hit a tree, you just sort of push off and keep going. I don't know what happened. I transported through some portal and landed on my back way far off camera in the pile of brush that they and like debris they had removed from the path of us following and i had like all this gear like i had a back pad on and hip pads and i like was just sort of like turtling oh my on my God. back like get out <laughs> in the brush. I had no idea how i got there because like the tree was like way far to my left and i landed wow. like way like 20 feet the other direction i have no idea what happened <laughs> i had to get somebody to pull me out they're like okay it's like i literally can't get out there's <laughs> all these like sticks and tree branches everywhere oh, you no. found the one time travel portal in that whole area i you know what? it's in the gvrd <laughs> here's <laughs> some random tree in north vancouver there you go. So listeners, if you're looking for one, that's where it is. <laughs> Be safe. There's a ravine. Oh my God. Yeah. Just don't oh get God. beat up by the mountain. No. Right? It's <laughs> just a tumble down a hill. Just a tumble. Right. Just, a tumble. just a tumble. Because be the word tumble implies a certain amount of yeah. a certain amount of not falling down a mountain. <laughs> yes. I was it, like I was picturing in my brain like a grassy no like, like a little grassy hill. hill yeah no uh. yeah no <laughs> all right well we're glad you survived <laughs> yeah, so Thank glad you. You. me too um so is there a stunt that you feel like is overused in tv and movies mm, i don't know if there's you know what i you know what <laughs> I just watched uh, one of the episodes of Umbrella Academy last night, and I think it's in the second season, maybe the third, but there's a shot. Uh, there, uh, uh, there's a big pull and like sort of trend to go towards one shot fights. Mm. So there's a lot of oh. sort of like dancing around <laughs> cameras and choreography you have to create. But there was one shot that we actually had done on Motherland in season three when we were working at Riverview. Um, and it's like the camera is moving outside of a hallway and you're just seeing in and then the fight yes. is sort of continuing yes. in the room. Yes. Yes. You know what, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, we, yes. we know what you're that talking about. So cool. Yes. Yeah. That's like one of our yeah. favorites. Um, <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was fun to choreograph because it, it was like a lot of like timing with camera and yes. we used actors the whole time. And um, wow. Yeah. So they cool. did a, a shot similar to that. I just watched it last night in Umbrella Academy, and I'm like, it's so trendy. Like, that one-shot fight is so trendy. And it, I think it, when it's done well, it looks great. And if it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. Yeah. But it also just takes a really long time to film because sure. it's like you could do a fight scene and just do little bits and just piece it all together, and you're like, look, a fight. Whereas like something like that, like every piece of the puzzle has to line up and like, yeah, yeah. So that one was a fun one, but like, I feel like that was a trend that was going around for a while there. Um, I wouldn't say I would see anything that's overused. I would say that um, I think sometimes choreography in fights is often too complicated and too fast. So you can't see what's happening. 
I have a, a little bit of a pet peeve of when they, uh, the color grading is too dark and you can't see what's happening. And all oh, you like, hear, you just see like little flashes of things and just a bunch of like grunting right? and, and sound effects that somebody's getting like beat up, but you can't actually see what's happening. So that's my biggest pet peeve, but I wouldn't necessarily say that there's, there's anything that's overused. There's some like, like tried and true things that people will just throw in there because they know how to shoot it. They know how to make the performers do it. They know how to get the double in there. And sometimes you just need something that's quick and easy. And so, yeah. Right. Yeah. We actually like had a portion of our episode where we covered one, that one episode that you're talking about with that fight in it. And we, I think yeah. we raved about that whole scene for yeah, we did. an inordinate amount of time. Oh, that, was so funny. <laughs> that was fun. So, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm really glad Lynn, you brought that I, up. I was doubling Lynn that day. Oh, nice. um, I was sort of playing two parts. I was doubling Lynn and she did a really great job. I also remember Demetria just yes. nailing oh, it. God. Like she was so good. I'm not surprised. Not surprised yeah, at all. Yeah, I, I love her. I love She's her She's awesome. So Okay, so we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the Scourges. Um, Mm -hmm. I think at one point, Jessica Sutton talked about how it hurts to get hit in the face with one of those things. And so (laughs) can you talk a little bit about the process of like how you kind of taught them to use them, I guess, version one and version two, perhaps, um, and how you did that safely so they don't get hit in the face? Yeah. Uh, So when we started with the rope darts... Uh, it was a, a black foam ball with just a, a regular black rope. Um, and then the ball was quite heavy. It was soft, but it was quite heavy. Uh, so we started with basics, like just how to get the thing moving, how to strike with it, how to send it out. My background is in baton twirling and staff spinning and weapons manipulation. So a lot of that movement of how it flows is a universal language so it translates to any weapon so i started with that just making sure that they understood how the rope moves because i think that the the grown-ups on the show they're like yeah you're just gonna like fight with this like ball on the string and it's just gonna go this way and this way but you're like no 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 no, no. like if you send that weapon down here it has to like do a whole thing and then you have to go the other direction and so just moving it basically so that they knew how to handle it uh, was a big focus for us for a really long time, especially on the pilot, because there's that big fight scene between um, uh, Taylor and Jessica in in the pilot. And yeah, so we spent a lot of time with that. And the thing is, with a traditional rope dart or like the tool we were using, uh, the ball is heavier than the rope. So when you swing it, it, all of the weight carries through that ball. And basically you just follow the weight of the ball and it sort of does what you want it to do. And it's much easier to manage. Now, when uh, we were rehearsing one day and the stunt coordinator just dropped a bunch of scourges on the ground and they were now a bull whip, so a completely different weapon, a bull whip with a little foamy crystal at the end, mm-hmm. uh, it changed the way we use the weapon considerably because now the handle's heavier than the actual crystal. So 
now the weapon really doesn't move the way you want it to move. Right. And so like instantly was like, oh my God, like I have to retrain these actors, how to use this thing. And I'm really, really grateful that we had that time with just the regular black rope darts like we used in the pilot before they got their hands on the scourge because then they already understood the movement they were trying to create. But because that foamy crystal was so light, doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It was just lighter than the actual leather rope of, of the bullwhip. Uh, it, it made it harder to move around because you didn't get as much feedback from the weight on the end. Um, and I think that's just maybe something that wasn't a decision. Like as the person that was training them to use the, the weapons, I was often like, oh, I wish they just would have consulted me with the difference. I wouldn't say don't use this. I just would have said, here's the difference between this weapon and this weapon. Here's what will change. Uh, physics wise. Uh, I don't know if they really understood that, but they were also shorter. So it made it uh, mm. a little bit easier to work with, but then also harder at the same time. So I'm really glad that we had that basic training with our main cast. And then over the course of the seasons, as new actors would come in, we'd have to give them a crash course in this is how you spin this thing. Uh, and it, it was a very difficult weapon to use. And because it's so short with like a rope dart, you wrap it around your body and all these things happen. You, we didn't have that option because they were so short. So it really became of like, what is the basic movement and the ba basic lines and angles that this scourge can do. And that is going to be reliable for us to do it practically on set. So that's just like your basic angles, using your body to, to help redirect it. Uh, we did a lot of that, a lot of spinning because mm -hmm. it's a, it, it needs centripetal force that you need to turn with it. Either you need to spin it and turn it or you spin yourself. So there's a lot of turning uh, fights and such. And on the day, a lot of times, because it's quite dangerous to have this thing moving around with another actor. Sure. And of course, like when you get there on the day and you're performing and you're really into it, you end up sending it a little bit faster and like, it's still a whip. So yeah, like totally. it does hurt when, when you get it. So, and plus you have like really expensive camera equipment and set pieces. So yeah. what we did is uh, props actually made some cutoff versions. So you had the handle and then, just like a cutoff version of the rope. And so you could still do all the movement and then effects would add the scourge in at the end, but they still had to learn the movement of the scourge and know where it's going in order for them to be able to sell it correctly. And then we'd often have the stunt doubles come in and use the actual scourge uh, to do what they want. But then the, then like a, a complaint we'd often get, is like, Oh, the scourge is moving too slow. Yeah, it, it's too light to go any faster. And so they're like, can you speed that up? And you're like, you could try. Uh, and then they were like, okay, just use a cutoff one and, and then do that. But we absolutely needed to get the scourges in their hands as much as possible. Totally. It, it wasn't always convenient to do that. Uh, but we did our best to, to just make sure that they, they looked like they knew what they're doing. And with the movement that they did have to do, that they were just confident in that. Because that goes way farther than like all this like cool, intricate, difficult, complex choreography. Like if you look confident and and capable of doing and like in total control of the movement you're doing, even if it's super simple, which is how we tried to keep the scourge work 
uh, it's going to look badass no matter what. Absolutely. But if you're trying Absolutely. to do too much, then it's just overcomplicated. You're wasting time filming it. The actors are getting frustrated. The angles aren't quite right. And like, so we're just like, keep it simple, make sure that they know what they're doing and let the scourge be the scourge. You kind of answered the <laughs> next question because we talked to Ron Xander Williams yesterday about mm -hmm. the, um, the scourges and how they, how you get, when well, they would cut them off and then add them on later. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll pivot to like one question that I, sure. I just popped into my head. I think I remember like in season one, Amalia didn't have a lot of like, didn't have to like learn all the exact stuff, but she s tried to mm -hmm. in on some of it is what she said. Mm -hmm. she, came, she, she came in and did some of it like with the scourge and everything. Is that? Yeah. So she did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Amalia, yeah, she didn't have too much action with the scourge right off the bat. I can't remember when that would have happened. Maybe it would have been season two. Um, but she, I love them. All. I love them all. Like, I, <laughs> like, but Amalia was one of my favorites. And she was like always down to come and train. Like if we were having like any sort of rehearsal or training, she was like, I want to be there. If I don't have to be on set, I want to be there. And that meant that she was getting all this training, whether or not she was using it on camera, she was still training the whole time. And so that really paid off in the end where suddenly uh, her character is able to use the, the weapon, but she already has the training. And in the very beginning, as we were sort of in prep towards like the, the pilot and the beginning of each season, I had all the actors and we were doing all the Scourge stuff as much as possible. And then throughout the season, like the top three, like Taylor, Jess and Ashley, they were often the ones that were on camera and on set the most. So I saw them the least, but then the other cast members, I would see like pretty much a couple times a week. So they were getting a lot of training in and it's really, really incredible how much just a little bit of training and a little bit of knowledge, it, how empowering it can be for an actor and how like how much of a difference it makes. Uh, I got a lot of compliments from other stunt performers when I was on set, like other stunt performers that are fighting against these actors of like, your actors look really, really good. Like Aww. they're really safe. They know what they're doing. They look good and they're super fit. And I just, that's like, gotta make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. They were so motivated. Like being an actor on a show is exhausting. There's a lot of people pulling at you from all different angles. You got producers, you got directors, you got to learn a whole entire script. Then you got to go to costume fitting. Then you got to go in hair and makeup tests. And then you got to be on set and actually do the work. And then there's this and this and this and this. And then that the fact that they still wanted to come and train and make sure that their skills and build on those skills. I, I really, really admire that because I don't know if I were in that situation, I'd be like, nah, go I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just not gonna move. Would not blame. I don't think we've gotten to see Scylla with a scourge, and I've I've seen a picture from season three of her with one. So, yeah, I haven't watched season three, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll go back to season two real quick. Sure. <laughs> um, so there was a fight scene I think that involved like 
basically the, the main characters and Amalia in a cabin. Were you involved with coordinating that fight at all? They were in the woods. It was I might 208, have... Nicta's cabin. Yeah. Yeah, I know what cabin. I, I was coordinating one of the days, like okay. stunt coordinating one of those days, but I think it was when uh, they were sacrificing somebody. It wasn't those mm. girls. I, okay. I was I was part of building the fight. I wasn't there on the gotcha. day. Okay, the question is about the fight coordination, because it's kind of like, at least the perspective that we get from as the audience, it looks like a pretty confined space. So I'm just kind of yeah. wondering, like, when you build the fight choreography in a confined space, like, how does that work? Like, what do you, what do you have to change? Oh, goes into that? Yeah, yeah. So we will know the 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 stunt team, the, the stunt coordinator, and often the fight coordinator, we do location scouts before we okay. get to that episode. So as like we're prepping the next episode, we're still working on this one. We're gonna go to the locations to see what it's at. And that cabin, you're right, it was tiny. Plus, you have to keep in mind that you're gonna have a whole crew in there filming it and, and like all of that. Right. So there is no space, no space in there, plus the set deck. Uh, so we knew that it was a tiny space. So what we do in rehearsal is we block off that space with like mats or like barriers or sometimes we'll just like put cones up or like whatever we have around us to make sure that this is a space that we have and then you just have to be very very specific with what's in the room and use that to your advantage so like there was a fireplace i know there were some chairs in there so we want to make sure that uh if we're gonna be smashing things into the wall, what wall are we smashing it into? And and then making sure that each, each actor is very aware of where they are in space. And then having a rehearsal on set, maybe a couple of days before they shoot that scene to just make sure that everybody is orientated the correct way, everybody knows what's happening. Because like I said, like once you get all of the crew, all of the lights, all of the like people in there fighting with the set deck and you're in costume and like it, it's just gets really like, ah. So again, knowing that these actors are trained and capable of, of doing things safely and correctly makes a huge difference in a scenario like that. Cause it could be really easy for, for an untrained actor to just like, Wah! like they're performing, they're in the moment and, and just start smashing things and, and that's not good. But yeah, that cabin was tiny, tiny, <laughs> it tiny, looks tiny. tiny. It looks tiny. I remember like I was coordinating one of those days. And so the coordinator just is also supposed to be in there. In like, the cabin? How? And I remember like standing in a corner, <laughs> like this, trying to see if, if like what the actress was doing was safe and like. Oh, oh my geez. gosh, yeah, you're like crammed in a little space. Crazy. It's like as they did that fight with totally. two dead bodies just hanging out right there. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. So then like, it's another yeah. thing that you have to be aware of is like these two people that are hanging from the ceiling. Oh, uh, that's crazy. That's, that is crazy. Um, did anyone in the cast like do more of their own stunts or want to do more of their own stunts? Oh, they all, oh no. Uh, not everybody wanted to. Like Taylor was like, nah, her her stunt double was Jen Milray. And like Taylor was good about that. You can do it. Um, Ashley wanted to do everything. Unfortunately, <laughs> we had to we yeah, we had to pull her back a little bit and be like, You're fabulous. You don't need to do this stunt. You don't need to do this driving thing. Like, you don't need to like <laughs> fall down on the ground right now. Um 
Jessica was lovely. I love Jessica. Um, she wanted to do a lot uh, as well. Demetria was probably the person who did the most Interesting. of her stuff. Yeah. And she's like super athletic and just like we, there was a, there's, cause it comes down to trust, like making sure that, you know, your actor isn't just going to be like, ah, and, and freak out. And so Demetria's a little bit older than those other three. And she's very experienced, very mature, very professional. And so she was someone and she wanted to do stuff. Like she was one of the people that I trained the most. Like she was there wow. almost every time. Uh, so she was, fully capable of doing a lot of her own stuff, a lot of her own fight things. And, and so she was allowed to do that, but like pretty much every, every like actor is like, Oh, I want to do that until like, you really realize what's involved <laughs> in it. And it's not, it's not that a lot of the time they're incapable. Sometimes it's, there's just something that's very specific that you need specific skills and experience right. doing like driving um, or like a fire thing or, um, a, a variety of other things but a lot of times it comes down to like just workload is like yeah. you're busy you're probably and we if we have like two units going on so one unit's filming at this location another unit's filming at this location we can't have actors at both locations so we have to have the double doing something but also like we don't want you to feel crappy the next day after who we need to see your face and you have all this other stuff to do so just let your double do your work um S was another one that we let them do a lot of their own stuff. That makes nice. a lot of sense. We didn't double them at all because they have a stunt background. They have a martial arts background. And we <laughs> felt like they could definitely handle <laughs> oh, yeah. themselves. So S did a lot of their own stuff. Um, they had a couple different uh, fights within the second season. And I'm sure that mm -hmm. they had a bunch of stuff to do in the third season because they're a complete badass and oh yeah like what a treat what a treat yeah i got to meet s and it was it's like if you see them in person they're even more impressive than they are on screen yeah 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 i really admire s Same. a lot like oh yeah. and i love that in season three there's this one scene where they do like a penguin slide down a an air vent <laughs> oh, so cool. I heard about that. I was yeah. like, that's adorable, but also cool because you're infiltrating. <laughs> right. I'm sure they love it. I'm sure it they too. did too. All right. So we're going to switch gears a little bit away from Motherland and just to you, Michelle, for a little bit. So mm -hmm. you have um, a bunch of courses um, that you teach and have a YouTube channel, TikTok videos, just teaching different people, different skills, like with bow staff, lightsabers. We're just wondering, is there any area like um, that you like to focus on the most? Like, yeah, I love teaching. I like I love teaching more than I love performing. Um, I'm also, I've also been performing my entire life. I started as a baton twirler when I was five and I competed at the highest level in the sport and then moved into a professional career pretty much as soon as I retired from the sport. So I've been pre performing for a long time. So I'm really interested in, in the teaching side of things, which is why I like the fight coordinating side. Uh, yeah, but I, staff spinning is my thing. Like that, that is my specialty. That's what I'm known for. Like I can use any weapon, but that is the, the base, most neutral weapon. And it's the one that I'm most familiar with. And so I've, I've just started teaching it to people because 
I've known from since I was a kid that people want to learn how to like spin a staff or a lightsaber or a sword. Like there's that we little do, bit of yes. inner child that that maybe when you were a kid you were spinning a, a wrapping paper tube or a broomstick around and somebody was like, Grow up, you can't do that. And and so I'm finding that a lot of people are are sort of healing their inner child, learning these skills. And I have a lifetime of knowledge and, and I've been very fortunate to had the opportunity to train so much that I've created mastery around this thing. And so I have all this knowledge and it's not for me to keep for myself. Like it's pretty useless if I just keep it for myself. Like, yeah, it looks cool on my social media, but the biggest thing is like, I want this skill to be accessible to people. I want it to be something that people can learn and and have fun with it. It's It's literally just a fun thing to do. It has so many great attributes and benefits for your life. Uh, and the main thing is, is like, it, it's, it's just meant to be fun and, and it can be a really healing lifestyle tool and movement form, uh, that, that could really benefit and impact a lot of people in a positive way. And so I started doing YouTube tutorials back in like 2016, maybe 15, 16. Um, and then I started like doing my social media. And then since 2019, I've had an online academy called the Freestyle Staff Academy. And there's just like tutorials galore. I have a membership academy. There's courses you can take. I do pop-up classes every now and then. And it really, it's, it's one of my greatest joys. It like is the thing that fills my heart the most is, is being able to teach people and meet people and connect, pe connect with people all over the world. Um, it's, it's just been a really, really wonderful journey. And like, yeah, like it's cool to do fun things on this on set with it, but uh, that is more of an ego thing. And if I were to really like sit with it, it's the teaching side of things uh, that I really love, which is why I like working with actors um, because I, I like being able to pass on the knowledge that I've gained. I, I Like I said, I've been training my entire life. Uh, there's no reason for me to keep it to myself. And so if people want it, there you go. Uh, and lightsabers is, is, I don't really have any courses on lightsabers. A lot of the staff spinning skills translate to lightsabers. Lightsabers just look cool. They're very pretty. Basically. Very beautiful. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're majestic. Yeah. Very majestic. Totally. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Yes. A majestic weapon. Our producer, Caitlin, actually sent us a surprise from Amazon recently because Ooh. apparently we're going to learn some of these skills over the next couple of weeks Ooh. and do like a, a yeah, little like... <laughs> promo video so if you have any yes. tips <laughs> okay okay uh biggest tip go slow slow is smooth smooth is fast and and don't be afraid to mess up and drop your staff because if you're not dropping your staff you're not learning and i know a lot of people think that if they drop their staff the world is going to explode it won't uh you'll just drop it and pick it up so just <laughs> even if you get frustrated it's okay to put your staff down walk away but come back to it Go back to your progressions and just focus on movement. It's not magic. I know it looks like magic, but it's not magic. It's literally just physics and mechanics. And so, yeah, just keep it simple and have fun with it and drop your stick. Drop your stick as much as possible. Maybe don't drop your expensive lightsaber as much as possible. Good Lord. This. Which is why you should learn it with. Yeah. yeah. Learn it with the staff first. And then if you feel confident, try it with your lightsaber. That's my advice. Yeah, those things are a good couple hundred dollars. That's good advice, yeah. 
the real yeah, one, the real not... replicas, not the ones that we have. <laughs> yeah, not the ones from like Walmart or Toys yeah. R Us, but they're and they will break if you drop them too many times. And I've done that a few times. <laughs> yeah, I saw one video where the end of it flew off and hit the ceiling. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> man, you bought it though, so kudos to you. <laughs> You know, you know, I've been training a certain set of skills my whole life. It just happens. <laughs> exactly. Your body just reacts. Yeah. yeah. Great reflexes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we also noticed, aside from like uh, weapons training and all that cool, fun stuff, you also on your TikTok, you've talked about burnout before. Um, mm -hmm. And so how have you been dealing with that. Do you have any advice oh, for our well, listeners who could be dealing with it? Yeah, yeah. Burnout is a is a fickle thing. Um, yes. For me, it's funny because in hindsight, and I fully haven't healed my burnout. I, I will admit to that. It is a process. It's not just something that you're like, oh, it's burnout. Got it. And then it's fixed. Right. Um, or like yeah. maybe some of the older generation when they're like, why can't you just stop being anxious? just stop being depressed and it doesn't work like that and so the, it's a lot of a process and it's a daily thing that you have to sort of manage um but i in hindsight i realized that i was burnt out for much longer than i sort of was willing to admit to myself so i sort of sabotaged myself in that way um, like i was burned out well before the lockdowns even happened and i was just sort of it's yeah. just sort of this like like limiting belief and mental game where you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep doing this. I'll just make this change and this change. And then when the lockdowns happen, I was like, oh, oh I get a break. Okay. Cause I was booked like full booked solid, which is a great position to be in when working in the film industry. But I was tired. My body was tired. And what I realized sort of as I went through this process of just sort of having a bit of a breakdown where I'm like, my body is like, my mind and my body had to shut down in order for me to like, take the space to realize that like, oh, like, I'm not in a space to, to really be like at my best and functioning fully. Uh, there, there was times where I could like barely get out of bed. And that, that went on for like months. Um, and it really came down to my nervous system and realizing how dysregulated my nervous system was. And, and that's everybody's nervous system right now, especially because of the things that are happening in the world. We've been in fight or flight and survival mode for so long and our bodies aren't meant to do that. So your uh, nervous system goes into fight or flight and then just sort of stays there. And then when you don't come down, you get all these stress hormones being released into your body. And then your body thinks it's going to die all the time. So then it just sort of goes into like shutdown mode. And that's really where I was at. So I had to make some really tough choices. I don't, they weren't tough at the time, though. It was just like, oh, no, this is what I have to do for myself now. Everything, every decision that I'm making now is for my nervous system. And that includes certain stunts and things I'm doing in movies and film, like, like being very specific of like, yeah, like my ego would love to do that. Or it, like, I want to work on this big show and work 16 hours a day for eight months and, and like really sitting back and being like, oh, actually that's probably not a good thing for me to do. Because when you ignore those signals, that's when you start getting sick, like yes. real sick. And we haven't really been taught in our society to 
pull back and just sort of be aware of, of what's happening because, you know, capitalism, (laughs) the patriarchy, like just keep going, keep going. You're you're not productive. You're lazy. And, and like, what the hell are you doing? And so I really had to step back from that because film is such a competitive environment is really intense, really hardcore. There's no space to work part-time. It doesn't work like that. And so having to make decisions like of my livelihood being like, if I don't make these decisions now, if I don't change now, I'm not going to make it. So it, it was tough. And that happened around the end. Like I started noticing around the end of season two of Motherland. Um, and I actually took a really long break after I wrapped the show in like end of March, 2021. So like just over a year ago, I took a big step back because like, there were days where I was driving to set on the show that I loved everybody at and, and I'm hyper-professional myself. I would never show up late. I would never forget things. Like I, there were times where I was driving to work and I was just like, I could be crying. Like I could just turn around and go home. They would be fine without me. And, and like, that's when I was like, Hmm, maybe you need to make a change. So it was, yeah, yeah, and it was it was a really painful time for me. And and I like in hindsight I wish that I would have put systems in place for myself sooner so that maybe I wouldn't have to get to a point of like complete and total burnout, but it's like you live and you learn and so it's it's been just over a year now since I've been really dealing with burnout and I'm not even halfway there. Uh there's days where I'm still like, "Oh gosh, here we go." But, but I feel like, like I'm on the right path and, and it really comes down to making sure that I'm eating well, exercising, but not overtraining. Cause that's the thing that I used to do as an athlete. I would just train and train and train and train and train and train when my body was actually asking me to not do any of that. Um, and eating well, sleeping well, training, uh, make sure that you just go outside in the sun, which is challenging in Vancouver because it just rains. <laughs> <laughs> But like, right. and, and being really aware of, of what you're taking in, in terms of like content, phones, all of that, the people you hang around with, like, just really like, I'm going to make my environment and my energy pristine so that my body feels safe to come down. Because especially when you're doing stunts, like you're in fight or flight the whole time. Right. And then you're landing on the ground and you're creating impact and injury in your body, whether it hurts or not, like you're still, there's still impact. And that still causes your nervous system to spike and get all these like adrenal dumps. Like the, I was talking to a stunt yeah. coordinator the other day where they, I was talking about that adrenal dump just before they call action. So like you're in a harness on a wire about to go through a wall and like, there's that moment where they're like, okay, cameras are rolling. Performers, are you set? You say set. And then they say three, two, one action in that moment, that like adrenaline that just goes <laughs> through your body and then your whole body's <laughs> vibrating. And like, oh, like that, like my poor nervous system. Yeah. And I never did anything to help it until like I had to, like it was either that or, or I'm not going to make it. So it was really challenging. The last year has been really challenging for me, but I'm really glad that I went through it because I think that it's something that uh, a lot of people can relate to. And a big shift that I want to make in my work is I want to find a way to take all this experience and wisdom and mastery and distill it and translate it into words 
and and speak it to people because like yeah like the physical skills but like i'm not a young kid anymore i've been working professionally for over 20 years i've been an athlete for over 30 years and and my body just doesn't move the same anymore and this whole like burnout thing is really teaching me like hey like let's just pivot into something else doesn't mean that you're quitting it just means that you're making choices now that are better for where you're at in this present moment if i'm trying to do the things that i could do when i was 25 that's when i'm going to get hurt and i don't want that i don't want to be in pain anymore and the big thing about like like whenever i go to like a massage or a physio or some sort of physical treatment they're like what have you been doing your entire life and you're like oh i just smashed myself into the ground for a living and they're like not good not good and i'm like yeah, yeah you know but but then finally getting to that point where I'm like actually maybe it just feels better not to do that and go this direction whether that be uh training actors and fight coordinating when i'm not really expected to perform as much or doing my own thing i really want to get into speaking and and like talking about this stuff because i think that there's a lot of people going through it and and i feel like i i'm fairly okay at being able to speak it out loud and that's one of the things if you watch my tiktok that's one of the things i'm actually experimenting with now is like how do i take all of this physical knowledge and put it into words and ideas and and translate that to people in a way that is going to be relatable and helpful and valuable to people. So, yeah, it's it's been a journey. It's not over. I read somewhere that burnout takes like 5 years, long-term burnout like I have because it's not just sounds right. like my entire life. Long-term burnout takes like 5 years to really heal Absolutely. and bring yourself down to a regulated state and it's just like, oh, got a long journey ahead of me here. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh I did a continuing education on burnout the hospital i work at because it's just like healthcare the past couple of years has been yeah I right can imagine. With it. so yeah and like long-term burnout it's that's yeah it can take a lot of time because you're just untraining all these habits and you're healing yep. at the same time and building yep. mental fortitude and it's it is a process yep. and a journey like you said so 100 yeah being able to communicate your journey to other people is would totally be helpful because it's just it is universal in some aspect to a lot of different people not the stunt piece perhaps totally. but like totally. the the general like healing process and you know yeah. yeah yeah and and i think a lot of people just need encouragement and permission to take a step back for a second yeah and totally. and just look at their stuff because it's not easy and and no. like i had to go through a whole shadow period where i was just like peeling apart the layers of like who am i why am i doing this and that was extremely painful and i'm just lucky that i had the support around me to do that and so knowing that that there is resources out there can be really really helpful for people whether it's me or someone else or whatever sort of tools that people can find i think that it's it's a universal thing and it affects everybody especially right now when the world is on fire and crazy and like yeah. things aren't good things aren't totally. good totally but thank you for sharing that with us we appreciate it oh my pleasure i think that's like almost everything we had except one more. I saw your kitty cat doing tricks on TikTok. Yes. Can you tell us about the cats? Oh my gosh. I will yes. talk about my cats for days. For days. Me too. So I have two cats. Uh, they're both long hair cats. Uh, the orange one 
if you ever see on my on my socials, the orange one's name is George. And then I the little it. gray one is called Ozzy. Ozzy's very <sighs> timid and shy. Uh, like, if anybody comes to my house, he will hide the whole entire time, even though, like, he would get, like, the best attention. Uh, he loves to cuddle, doesn't understand the tricks. Whereas George, my orange cat, is super smart. Uh, I don't remember how we figured out that he can do tricks, but he's very food motivated and likes puzzles. Like he's a very like cat that needs a lot of mental stimulation. So I started with high fives and he got high five right away. I would just like tap his paw and be like right here. And he's just like, does it? And he's like, great, gets a treat, nails it. And so we've over the course of our time together, the last like four, five years, um, he's learned several tricks and he's like he's like a dog in, yes. in that capacity but I he he understands like sit uh spin he does we have a secret handshake that we do we do double five um he eats all of his food because he will inhale his food and not think about what he's eating so all of his food is in a puzzle feeder so he has to work Smart. for it my cat yeah, too yeah, it's just, and then whereas my other cat would just graze, but I can't leave food right. out because George will inhale We it have all. the same yep. problem! <laughs> <laughs> it drives me insane. Yeah. I have to feed them in like different spaces and then watch. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I give Ozzy more food, like with our dry food. I so said they have a little cup. So I fill Ozzy's bowl more full than he will eat because when he's full, he'll just walk away and leave food in the bowl. Right. And then I feed George less, knowing that George will finish his food and then go to Ozzy's bowl and finish off what Ozzy's getting. And so he was getting a little chonky there. And so I was just like, mm, I'm going to fix this. But yeah, so he will do anything for treats. Uh, he also is really good at walking on a leash. And wow. so he's he's a really confident cat. So if we go to new spaces, I recently took them on a road trip out to Alberta. So it was like a 12-hour drive and then stayed in an RV uh, near my parents and he nice. was totally good like normally cats are like gonna go hide from it but he was out and exploring wanted to go outside and wow. explore outside so yeah he's a really cool guy uh and they go out on my patio here on like leashes and harnesses and nice. he's a he would be a really great barn cat if, uh, yeah. if he were to ever live on a farm but That's yeah awesome. he's so smart so we're working on a couple new tricks here and there, we're lur lurking on lay down and roll over. Nice. And, and we'll see how that goes. Generally, once he figures it out, he'll he'll get it. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a cool guy. I've often been like, can I make him a movie cat? Can I just be like stage mom to my cat, my cat. There you as go. he like goes on to sets? I don't know. I don't know the process of doing that. I, I don't know if that's even a thing. But you, you could have a reality show called Cat Mom. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to make him a stunt reel, like George. Oh my cat. gosh! Please you do, it. do it. You should <laughs> do it. And then, and then, when him and Ozzy fight because they're not friends, despite their <laughs> effort, they they tolerate each other. So they'll get into fights, and I want to like film that from different angles, and then add in like edit it all together, and then yes. add in like sound effects. Right. I feel like <laughs> and, and like explosion. Yeah. <laughs> We have the like the same cats, but not because mine do that right? too. I love it. I wish that they would get along, but they don't. I, know. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah. Some I think it's just a personality difference. That's what yeah. my I, yeah. is. Because my I, one of mine will run totally. and hide, and the other he's like, "Hey, what's up?" To everybody. Yeah, totally. Totally. If George like meets new people, he's like, "Will you pet me?" Like, like, like where do you like, <laughs> yeah. Love me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Ozzy's so adorable. It's it's kind of stupid cute. sometimes. He's he's right in front of me, sleeping on a purple pillow. Oh, yeah. Aww, cutie, cute, adorable. Yeah, I love. I I love that. Uh, I can post about them, and like the cat content goes goes far. Like people love oh, the yeah. cat content. Like <laughs> oh, George's yeah. videos have gone viral, like gotten over a million views. It's because George is platforms. cool. Right. I know. <laughs> George is cool. I'm a George like, fan, oh, so <laughs> excellent. I, I I have they they have their own TikTok. I'm just not very good at posting on it because I, I barely can post on my own feeds. But I, I just like that that I can include them and totally. like I don't have to just rely on me doing things. Right. In my videos. You like, get a if break. I just need something, it's like here's a cat. Here's a cat. <laughs> Content That's always goes well. All you have to do is here's a cat. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> I think I've got one. I don't know where. Uh, you have one of the cats? Here, let me grab Ozzy. Yes. Look it! Good. Oh, what's their name? This is Aspen. Hi, Aspen. Oh, Muffin. Oh, I love it. Here, let me grab Ozzy. <laughs> she likes to lay like this. Hi. Paws on your chin, always. <laughs> yes, always. Oh. Just like stay there, stay there. Oh, Ozzy! Oh, oh you're Ozzie. so pretty, so pretty. Doesn't know we can see him. He's yeah. like, oh, hello! Look at those face. Look at that face. I smile. He's, he's a very pretty guy. He he's is beautiful. a freaking beautiful. Look at those and eyes. He likes yeah, do like light green. Um, he likes to sit on my lap, so like if I'm sitting at my desk working, or like if I sit on the couch, he will be Aww. on top of me. Of course, which is nice because George is not a cuddler. He oh. will not cuddle with me. He'll make maybe sit beside me, right? But he's not interested See, in. Maybe it is personality then, because Atticus will do the same thing. He won't sit on me, but he'll sit beside me. But Aspen yeah. likes to be held like a baby. Yeah. Uh, that's nice. Yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy likes to go like under blankets, and so my mom knitted him like a little like pouch for him to sit in, <gasps> and oh. he just like goes in and then oh like, that's adorable blinks like, at me and his little beautiful eyes, and I just it's a little too warm for that right now, but I'm that's really adorable. happy when winter yeah. comes. And I, I expect like, to see Ozzy in his little oh. his little pouch, his pouch. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I've been trying to get them used to traveling because often like I'll get called for work and I'll have to go for multiple months. Totally. And it's always heart wrenching when I have to leave my cats and then trying yeah. to find somebody to take care of them for so many months, months and I don't yeah. have family that lives here. And so I'm like, if they could just come with me, that would probably be best depending mm. on where I'm going. So that's why we're getting used to like road trips. I haven't taken them on an airplane yet, but. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that, that whatever comes up that I, I want them to be involved. Like they are my family. Mm -hmm. They have, Absolutely. they're basically my emotional support animals now because like 
we've spent so much time together during the pandemic. And like when I, before the pandemic and I was triple booked, I was all over the place on set every day and they were really suffering and, and really starting to act out because I just wasn't home and they weren't getting enough attention. And I yeah. just like, I felt so bad. And I'm just like, no, I need to, I need to take care of my, of my guys. Like they're, they're my family. So yeah. it's just us. No, he's just laying here. No, he's like chilling. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Look at that tail. He actually, oh, it's a tail. <laughs> where is he? Uh, he really likes my desk. So if I'm not here at my desk, he's on my desk. He's here. <laughs> so yeah. it's his desk. It's his desk. <laughs> it's his. It's you his. just I'm use it sometimes. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. That's how all of our furniture is too. <laughs> we just live here. Yeah. Do they sleep with you? Aspen sleeps with me and Atticus sleeps with my sister downstairs. Okay. So. Okay. Because at, okay. Aspen was not very happy when Atticus first came, uh, mm. when I got him as a kitten. And so he stayed downstairs with my sister quite a bit and he just got used to it down there. So he, he stays up during the day and then he goes down there and sometimes he will sleep in the, I have this like that my computer's on. It's like a little kennel thing, but it's got like mm -hmm. beds and stuff inside. And I call it the dumb baby jail. Yeah because he'll go in there and just sleep. And I'm like, yeah, oh, the dumb baby's here. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, both of mine sleep with me every night. So oh. in the winter, Ozzy sleeps under the covers between my mm -hmm. legs. And then on the in the summer, he sleeps over top of the covers, but George sleeps right here and will like sleep back to back. And he'll like put his back into me and put his head on the pillow. Like, That's adorable. He thinks, yeah, he cute. thinks it's his bed. And then yes. in the morning, I, it's I, it literally, I don't know if it's necessarily because we're like a colony, because uh, it's like a colony of cats. I think it's more, they just want to be near me for when I wake up, because when I wake up, it's food time. Yeah. So yeah, they mm -hmm. will just stay there and just wait. And I'll wake up in the morning to both of them just like, hey. <laughs> it's and George goes is like, taps me with his hand. He, he's so gentle. He's a gentle giant. And he'll just be like. And then wow. Ozzy will go to the blinds and like start like <laughs> on the blinds. And then it's like this whole process. And then sometimes I just like put the covers over my head and just pretend I'm sleeping. <laughs> Cause I'm like, no, not ready yet. You get to, you get to eat when I say it's exactly. I have that fight in the morning too. Aspen oh, will God. claw at the tapestry above my bed and just be like, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Hey, 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 and then Ozzy will come and sit on me, like right at my face, and be like, "What do you think? Are you, you going to get up?" And then goes back to the blind. It's like a whole thing, like a choreographed it's a process. Game. <laughs> it sounds yeah. choreographed. Yeah, that's so yeah. funny. It's, your it's like, <laughs> your cats it. have their own choreography. Oh, hundred percent. And like, they, it's funny when you see them like trying things. You'd be like, "Does this work?" Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, you can get a reaction. Yeah. How about this? 
Oh, that's you okay. uh, didn't like that. Okay, I'm going to do more of that. Uh, <laughs> trial and error. I love it. I love it. It's a castle <laughs> sometimes, and I love it. So, so much. I love it so much. I love it. <sighs> All right. Well, are there any final words you'd like to say to our audience? Um, thanks for watching the show. Uh, I'm really happy that people liked it. It was, it was a, it was a show that I was really proud to be a part of. I wish I could have made it in there for season three, but like I said, the schedules just didn't work. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice to be a part of something that felt progressive and groundbreaking in a way with like an all female cast, a lot of directors and executive producers and producers and crew members were female. And so it was really nice to be a part of that and and hopefully empower some people out in the world to to kick some ass like these witches do and and it's been a pleasure speaking with you all i really enjoyed this yeah same thank you thank you yeah we i didn't even realize that how much time had passed honestly because we're having such a good time Mm -hmm. we did talk about cats for a good 15 minutes that's (laughs) true Hope you guys out there are like cats. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't, well, too bad. That's very yeah. cat-like. You're like, yeah, right. You don't like it? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so so much for imparting all of your wisdom on us and telling us how the uh, you do what you do. It's truly badass, and it is my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Right. Thank you for having me. I I Anytime. really appreciate it. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. Please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes. And please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus. <laughs>